come to reading glasses, and this is my first day. Reading this morning is taken from Ruth, uh, chapter 2. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is a Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favour in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favour in your law, in your eyes, my Lord, she said, you have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. 
He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finished harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the harvest, sorry, until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. His official title is um, Faith Runs in the Family, um, but I believe he's going to talk to us much about the kindness of God. So let's pray for Peter. Lord, thank you for Peter. Thank you for the word in Ruth that you have so inspired him with. And we look forward to hearing from him now. Please bless his, um, his thoughts, Lord his words as he speaks to us, and may we hear you through him. Amen. Amen. Just uh, sort of notice type thing first uh, is that on the, don't look behind you, you don't need to look behind you, but behind you there is a list of names and addresses that Sarah Edwards would like you to check. So if you get the chance after the service, just check your names and addresses and email addresses and so on are, are correct. That would be really great because we're just updating the church directory. Uh, also, uh, if you remember next week, you might want to bring your own Bibles. There are Bibles available, but uh, you know, it's not as easy as it is in the normal space that we've got. So uh, just might be something to remember next week. Uh, we began last week uh, our four-week series looking at the book of Ruth. And the, uh, as John said, the first uh, act of that four-act drama we called Faith to be a Risk Taker. And uh, Ruth and her mother-in-law Naomi took big risks to go back to the land of Judah. Uh, risks of being shunned, alienated, ignored, uh, looked upon as, as just uh, people who didn't belong. And uh, that was it's about a 75-mile journey to get from Moab to Bethlehem. It's about that length of time. And just imagine the difficulty of, of going along uh, and feeling the way they would have felt so sad and downcast about all of the things that had happened to them. And that journey was uh, about 10 years after another one. Uh, if you remember the story in chapter 1, uh, where uh, Naomi and her husband Elimelech uh, travel from their homeland, Judah, to Moab. And uh, that uh, was because of a famine. That was the reason they did it. The, the basically, there was no food, and, and so they decided to leave home, pack up, take their sons, and, and travel off to Moab, uh, a pagan country. Obviously, wanting to find food, shelter, a home, and, uh, and you know, to find a good life. But it ended badly, because, uh, as we heard last week, their two sons died. Elimelech died first, and then their two sons died. And so all those hopes of, of, of a good life have been shattered. And, and remember also the time that, we're, that this is in. This is Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, says this is the time when the judges ruled. And also the previous book right next door in Judges, right at the end of Judges, the verse uh, says, in those days Israel had no king, and everyone did as they saw fit. So this is the context. This is the background. This is what's going on in the, in the, in the story, in the background of the story. This is a, a dark time. It's a difficult time. Uh, spiritual dark ages, if you like. 
Uh, people have abandoned God. They've left God behind. They're not, they're not really interested in God and his ways. This is what we're living in now, isn't it? You know, people are, are, are today not interested in God, but by and large, they're not particularly. And, and this is the time that, that Ruth and Naomi are in. Uh, Elimelech uh, is a man whose name actually means the Lord is king. That's what his name means, the Lord is king. Uh, and even he has forgotten God. He's moved away from Israel, moved away from Judah, uh, and tried to find uh, the good life somewhere else. And yet, of course, uh, it doesn't go like that. And, and so in chapter 1 we hear that Naomi decides to go home, find, uh, to go back home to see if that is where uh, God wants her to be and to, to, to be in a place of provision. And she's heard that there is food available again. Starts off with her two daughters-in-law, says to both of them, well, you stay where you are, you stay where you are from. One of them does, goes home, and Ruth says, no, I'm going to stick with, with you like Velcro, I'm going to stay with you. And this week, we're going to think about how God shows his, his kindness and his grace to us. How he shows his provision and his protection to us. And he doesn't do it in an obvious way, but in an indirect way. And we're going to see that happening through two people, particularly through Ruth and through Boaz. And so chapter 1 ends with that very evocative phrase, that very uh, lovely verse, that they arrive in Bethlehem just as the barley harvest was beginning. Just as it seemed when you know, hope had gone and life had gone, everything was, was gone that they had hoped for, just at that time the barley harvest is beginning, just at that point when they have felt that, that everything had been taken away from them, there is life that begins to show. And what's going on is that God is actually building this new dream in their hearts. He's, he's growing this new dream in their heart, particularly in the heart of Naomi, actually. And, and it's difficult one to see, this cusp between chapter 1 and chapter 2, it's difficult to see that, but this is what's going on. There's a new thing going on. God is beginning to do something new in their hearts and in their lives. And it's to do with God's kindness. It's brought about by God's kindness. It's in his kindness that God is going to bring his, his love and his faithfulness and his mercy into their lives. Now the thing is, of course, we've got this uh, advantage of perspective. <coughs> Uh, I don't know whether you did your homework, whether you read all of Ruth, but if you have, you know how the story ends. You know it ends well. You know that they're redeemed. You know that they, uh, it, it goes well for them. But try and stick with it. Just sort of stay with the story as we, as we are here in chapter 2, and, uh, and we'll see how God's plan begins to be worked out. So when chapter 2 opens, God is already working out his plan. His plan is beginning to become visible. And it's worth, I think, noting or remembering or just considering that God accomplishes his desires very often in a quiet way. Not in a sort of big, spectacular kind of, you know, razzmatazz sort of way, but he very often works as well quietly in the background of our lives. And so in the story before us, uh, this, this, this lovely chapter here, we've got the, 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 the providence of God who works out by faithful and kind people. And I wonder if you can identify with that in some way or other. I wonder if you can just think of a time when someone was kind to you. When someone did something kind for you. Uh, people, uh, it might have been a, a big act of kindness, it might have been a significant act of kindness, or it might have been just a small act of kindness. But if you can kind of just picture yourself in that place, how, I wonder how you felt when that happened. 
more likely as not, it, it, you felt loved. Because that, that is what kindness brings about in us. Because kindness flows from love for people, which of course stems from the love of God. And so here in chapter 2, there are two main portraits of God's kindness, Ruth and Boaz. Chapter 2 introduces us to the human hero of the story, that's Boaz. But Ruth is also someone who shows kindness because she is kind to her mother-in-law. She continues to be faithful and kind to her mother-in-law, Naomi. So let's look at Ruth first, and then we'll look at Boaz. So this is how God's kindness is shown through Ruth. Chapter 2, verse 1 signals that God is up to something. Have a look. Uh, and, And we see that straight away Boaz is introduced to us. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. So Boaz, straight away we're told about Boaz. But look at uh, at verse 2. And Ruth said to the Moabite, Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover corn behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered the field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Now let me ask you a question. When you want someone to get something, when you want someone to understand something, I wonder what you'd do. I'll give you an answer, because this is the answer I want you to give. But basically... (laughs) (laughs) One of the things you might do is you might repeat yourself. So just say, for example, you are in a, in a living room or a, you know, somewhere there's a fire, an open fire, and there's a child in this room. And you are supervising that child. You're in charge of that child. And you know that that child does not want to go too near that fire. So you might say to them, I don't know what the name of the child is. I don't know, say Ben, for example. Ben, don't go too near that fire. Now, you might then say again, Ben, I really don't want you to go too near that fire. So you've repeated yourself to get the point across. Uh, And that is what God is doing here through his word. He's repeating himself. He's wanting us to get something, wanting us to, to grasp something about what's going on at this point in the story. And so we read in verse 1, Naomi has a relative on her husband's side who's a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech whose name was Boaz. And then Ruth says to her mother-in-law, can I go and glean in the fields? And so Naomi says, yes, okay, go and and do that. And then we hear that uh, it just so happens that she goes out into the fields and she works behind the harvesters and it just so happens she's working in a field belonging to Boaz, who is from the clan of Elimelech. So... This phrase, as it turned out, as it happened, is, a, is loaded with irony. Because there's no accident here. This isn't an accident. It's not a kind of a lucky chance. Now, the Bible doesn't teach luck. Uh, I don't believe in luck. It's not a lucky happening. It's a, it's a God happening. That word happened is, is surrounded on both sides by Boaz's <coughs> identity. And the reason that we've got the, the identity of Boaz surrounding this verse in the middle, number two, verse two, is because God is wanting to show us who is the real hero in this story. 
And the real hero in this story is God. Because it's God who has allowed it to happen, enabled it to happen, that Ruth just so happens to go into the field that belongs to Boaz, who just so happens to be the close relative of Naomi and Elimelech. So Ruth goes into the fields and to glean behind the harvesters. Now, gleaning is uh, an Old Testament concept, and it's, it's, it's one of the ways that um, the, the poor were allowed and enabled to gain food. And, and in Scripture, there's a lot of um, references to the poor. You've got the, the righteous poor and the unrighteous poor. So you've got the righteous poor, who are the ones who are you know, widows or orphans or uh, the sick or those who have come into the land, immigrants or, uh, you know, people who are just hardworking people who, but just struggling to make ends meet. These are the righteous poor. The unrighteous poor were the ones of the cheats and, you know, others. But this is, this is the gleaning is the way in which uh, God's people and God has uh, enabled the righteous poor to gain food. And so this gleaning shows, there's two things it shows about Ruth. This the fact that she goes to ask to glean. Firstly, it shows that she knows God's law. So she's a Moabite, remember. She's not, she's not an Israelite, but she knows about the, the gleaning law. And so she says, can I go and glean? And secondly, it shows us something about her character. It shows that she gets on with it. She's not a complainer. She's not a kind of, oh, you know, life's difficult and what am I going to do? And I can't see how... No, she says, can I go and glean? Can I go and work? Can I go and do something to help? And, and again, it's, it's, it's something about Ruth's character. We've seen that, haven't we, in chapter 1? Because in chapter 1, she pledges herself to be with Naomi. She, she says, I will remain faithful to you. And she says again uh, that she talks about going to find favor in, someone, in the field of someone else. Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. So you see, God is working out his plan. He's, 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 he's flowing, the kindness of God is flowing out through Ruth already in chapter 2. And then we come to Boaz. As I said, Ruth happens to come into the part of the barley field belonging to Boaz. That's the first irony. The other irony is the fact that it just so happens, as it says in the text, it just so happens that Boaz arrives in the field at that point. So it says, Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters, The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Now, just um, picture yourself in your place of work. Uh, it may have been your place of work when you were working, or it may be your place of work you were working in now. And just try and picture the way that your boss greets you at work. <laughs> oh, no, All bosses are again. different. Uh, some, some around the room are bosses, in fact. Yeah, there are people around the room who are, who are our bosses. But um, some bosses are, are very polite and friendly and say, oh, great, to, you know, lovely to see you, welcome, and great, you know, welcome to your... You know. Some are welcoming and friendly. Some are a bit more gruff and impatient and a bit more kind of like you're late again, you know, all that, whatever it is. But Boaz arrives in his fields and he says, says to his employees, may the Lord bless you. Wow, what a greeting from a boss. <laughs> may the Lord bless you. It's not a, a sort of normal um, greeting, is it? And the, the workers' response isn't particularly usual either. 
Because they say back to, the, to, to, to their boss, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord be with you. And so it's this, you know, in, in Numbers chapter 6, there's that lovely priestly ironic blessing that goes on. It's, it's really echoing that. And so Boaz already, we notice, is unusual. Remember what we're thinking about the background is the fact that this is the time of the judges. It's a dark time. It's the time when everybody see, is doing things as they see fit in their own eyes. Boaz is unusual. He is a man of integrity. What he says, what he does, match up. And uh, he, he's not one of these kind of, you know, some, you know, like a, a spiritual pigeonhole. You know, you kind of, this is my part of life when I'm going to be spiritual, and this is where I'm going to, you know, be like that. He, no, he, he's, his words and his deeds match up. He lives life like this all the time. He's faithful. He's, he's kind. He lives out what he knows about God in his day-to-day life. He's a wealthy man. He's a man of standing, it says. And he is going to help. He blesses people. He's, he's, he's got workers. He, he gives them work. He provides them with wages. He treats them with kindness. And so in verse 5, he, he arrives in his fields and he looks out across the fields and he notices somebody that he doesn't know. And so he, he says, he, he asks the overseer of, this, of his harvesters, he says, what does, who is that young woman? Who does that young woman belong to? Who is she? And the overseer replies, she is the Moabites who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. Now later on in the chapter, as we heard Boaz knows about Ruth's story. He knows she's from Moab. uh, And he knows that she is a relative of his by marriage. And coming from Moab, she's decided to embrace Israel and embrace God's people, embrace their ways. And the foreman has told him, is telling him, this woman is humble. This woman is submissive. She's hardworking. All these qualities that she's showing She doesn't demand that she can glean. She says, can I? She's worked long hours. She's come into the shelter to find, you know, from the the hot, you know, sun of that land. She's come out into the shelter to find uh, uh, some shelter from the heat. And all of these things, all of these things are are allowing and enabling God to work his plan, his purposes for her. And so Boaz demonstrates more kindness. Because in verses 8 and 9, he approaches Ruth uh, and he tells her not to leave his fields. Why might, why might he say that? Well, it may be because she sort of is thinking, well, I've, I've actually abused this privilege. I've, I've stayed here too long. I should really go home now. But he, he says no. He says this, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean another, in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along with the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Do you notice he calls her my daughter? He treats her with affection, with compassion, with mercy. He's already treating her as a family member. And that reminds me of some other verses in the Old Testament from Micah chapter 6, well-known verses. And what does the Lord require of you? 
to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So this is Boaz. Boaz is doing this. He's living it out. He's acting with justice and love and mercy. He's granting Ruth legitimacy. He's giving her life back, essentially. She's not a dirty foreigner. She's not an outcast. She's not an alien. She's not unwanted. No, she is wanted. She's received into God's community. She's accepted. Because Boaz has put his shield of protection around her. And so he says, if anyone bothers you, well, I've told them not to. I've told my men not to lay their hand on you. And so in, in, this, in this place where she could have been treated with, with disdain, she could have been treated with, with mistrust, no, Boaz, Boaz gives her compassion, kindness, and care. Just as we might give to someone who's close to us. He gives her protection and provision. And that's why we see this dramatic reaction from her in verse 10, where it says, And at this, she bowed down with her face to the ground and asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes? that you should notice me, a foreigner. He says, well, I've no, I know all about you, he says. I know what you've done for Naomi. I've know, I know how you've uh, stayed with her. That you've left your mother and your father and your homeland and you've come to live in this land that you didn't know. And then in verse 12, he asked the Lord to bless her. He says, may you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Again, he's, he's got great insight. He, he knows the details. He has regard for the, the way she's behaved and lived. He want, he's the, if the boss, if you like, but he wants not only to bless her with his earthly blessing, but he also wants the heavenly blessing to come on her. And so he prays his blessing over her. That she has sowed kindness, and so she will reap kindness. Those kind things will come back to benefit her. And so that verse, verse 12, I think really reminds us that prayer is powerful. When you pray, things happen. And in fact, often, and we don't really kind of realize this or maybe remember this or maybe even know it, but you know, when we pray a prayer, God actually uses us as part of the answer to that prayer. And so Boaz, he's not just being religious and pious and, you know, I'm, I'm so holy. No, he actually means what he says. And he's going to be willing to be used by God to answer that prayer. And, and imagine Ruth at this point receiving that blessing just for her at that point. She is in a difficult place and yet she receives that word of blessing. She receives that protection. And he says, come and eat with my workers. Come and you know, have a big portion, enough of a, a portion to take home and share with your mother-in-law. And yet Ruth being Ruth doesn't just sit down and, and, and no, she goes back to work. And so uh, Boaz adds to that and he, and he instructs the harvesters, pull out, some, pull out the leftovers, give her more. And so she, uh, she picks them up and, and takes them home and it's about 20 to 25 pounds of grain. It's a, a big amount. Enough for the week for her and Naomi. Ruth and Boaz. Demonstrations of God's kindness. Loud and clear demonstrations of of God's kindness. Life and blood illustrations of how God works out his plan in our lives. 
What about Naomi? What about Naomi? Look at verse 20. If you've got it in front of you, I'll read it to you. Word, uh, verse 20 says this. The Lord bless him. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. The word for kindness there is a lovely Hebrew word. <coughs> it's the word chesed. Chesed. And it's, I want you to actually learn this word, and I want you to take it with you this week. I want you to take it and carry it around in your heart and in your soul and in your mind this week. Chesed. Can you say that word? Chesed. Chesed is a, is a ch at the start. It's a Hebrew word. Chesed. And the word chesed has lots of layers of meaning to it, and uh, you know, you can sort of define it in all sorts of ways. But one of the ways you can define that word is loving kindness. Loving kindness. And so this story of Ruth, it shows in a myriad of ways the chesed of God, the loving kindness of God. Yes, Naomi's husband has died. Yes, her two sons have died. But God shows his chesed, his loving kindness, by bringing Ruth alongside her, to walk with her, to stay with her, to go back to Bethlehem with her. And not only that, he then shows Naomi his, his loving kindness by uh, just so happens that Ruth goes into the field belonging to Boaz. And not only that, the Boaz shows the chesed of God by giving Ruth this food to share with Naomi. One Jewish rabbi says this, commentating on this book. He says, This scroll of Ruth tells us nothing either of the cleanliness or of uncleanliness, either of prohibition or permission. For what purpose then was it written? To teach us how great is the reward of those who do deeds of kindness, of chesed. Ultimately, Jesus is God's clearest sign of the chesed of God. Because Jesus brings his loving kindness into our lives each day. And so the scene is set for part three, which we'll look at next, next Sunday. Naomi's hopes for a better future are about to see God in amazing ways in the life of Ruth and Boaz. But as I, as I come to an end, let me ask you a couple of questions. What about you and what about me? What are your hopes and dreams right now? Do you see God's loving kindness at work in your life at this point in your life? Or does it seem like all hope is gone and you're struggling just to see where God's hand is at work? And whatever the case, whatever, whether it's the first or the, the last or whatever, God wants to draw you with his loving kindness just as he drew Ruth to Boaz and Boaz to Ruth. And just as he was faithful then, he is faithful today. And maybe God is asking you to show his loving kindness to someone else this week. In fact, there's no maybe to that. There is, there is, he is asking you to do that. He's asking me to do that. Because just like his chesed was a way of life for Boaz, God wants his loving kindness to flow in us and through us and out of us, to be growing in us. Maybe we can ask God to grow that loving kindness in us and to show us particular people that he wants us to touch that, to touch them with his loving kindness this week. 
And as we do that, keep that word close by in your heart this week. Chesed. May God's loving kindness be upon you and surround you as you walk with him each day. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you again for Ruth and this story that we have that we can treasure and read. But we pray that your spirit would move in us as we dwell in this story, as we listen to what it's saying to us. May your spirit move in us as we are drawn more and more into your purposes and your ways and as your purposes and your ways flow out from us to those around us. We thank you for your grace at work in our lives each day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.